0: Hi, you guys. This is episode 25 of the Truth About Work podcast. I'm Liz Ryan. We're talking about work and the workplace, careers, leadership, all this type of stuff. Our mission at Human Workplace is to humanize work, to reinvent work for people. So this is our lens through which we see work, you know, and the workplace got a bunch of questions to answer. Okay, here we go. Hi, Liz. I cannot refer my sister's friend who wants me to refer him to my job. Do I tell him or what do I do? That's a great question. Could happen to anybody. Some companies have an uh, employee referral bonus plan and they'll pay you if you bring in a friend or somebody you know to work there. But what if you don't feel good about that person? Um, And what if you don't even want to work with them? If you don't want to work with them, you know them better than your colleagues do it's kind of an ethical dilemma because they need a job you could also get money potentially for referring them but what if you don't want to work with them well here's the thing you could tell them you could say a lot of ways out of this you could say I just don't make referrals sorry you could say I really only refer people that I had the opportunity to work with but I encourage you to apply through the website that's always the workaround right plan B, apply through the website. Um, I mean, you could lay some truth on them if you want to, but that's teaching when you're not asked to teach is always really tough and not recommended. You can talk to this person about the problems that they smashed up your car, or they always call your sister and want her to pick them up when they're drunk in the bar, all these things. Although that is a good thing to do. You should call and have somebody pick you up. Of course you should. I'm just saying, your sister might be tired of it. There could be a thousand other things that would cause you to not want to refer this person to your job. I've been there. I think I still think I'm old school. I still think your reputation is important. If if you think it's important, that's a personal decision. If you think I don't want my work friends to feel like this is somebody that I would refer here, I think they're going to get hired cuz they're pretty good with interviews. And I think they're going to quit in some kind of a dramatic scene or they're going to get fired inside of three months. So I wouldn't get the money anyway. Usually they make you wait three months. I just don't want to refer them. One thing you can do is say, I can give your resume to HR. I can give you a resume to HR. So you're not talking about what you're not going to do, which is say, I really think you should hire this person because you're not going to say that because you don't know them well enough or you do know them well enough to say, no, I I couldn't in good conscience say you should hire this person. Uh, So you can kind of opt out and just hand the resume to somebody in HR or send it to them, you know, electronically nowadays and say, you know, here's this person, don't know them well, but... I have their resume, and they get to decide what the criteria are for paying out that bonus. A lot of places are not too fussy. They take the responsibility for checking out the person. But, like I said, if you don't want to do it and you don't want to work with them, you say, Oh, apply through the website. The more you get used to setting boundaries, I'm telling you, it's an undervalued grown up skill setting boundaries. I was so slow to learn how to set boundaries. And the older I get, the easier it becomes. You hit a certain age, and it's like, eh, yeah, we're not doing that. That's not, nah, that's not happening. All right, here's one. Hi, Liz. I fear my unit may be abandoned and let go, terminated, sold, whatever. I'll be out of a job. What should I do? Right? This is not uncommon, too. You're working for a large company in a small group off to the side. Sometimes they say skunk works, you know, we're looking into a new project, it's, Research and development. Yeah, well now it's coronavirus and everything is batting down the hatches and You know, let's be really judicious and careful about what we spend money and energy on your whole group could be gone Here's the thing. This is always why I say or this is why I always say You have to be ready. It's not paranoia or if it is It's healthy paranoia to be ready to find a new job because this is the exact kind of thing Oh, my boss says I'm the best employee in the unit. That's great. What if your boss and you and 40 other people are laid off tomorrow? In other words, you take it up meta to the next level. There could be a meeting happening right now. No offense, not trying to freak you out that puts you and 150 other people out of work tomorrow that you and your boss have no control over your boss's boss. One weird thing that has happened. I've seen multiple times going back to the Big recession, dot bomb recession, 2001 and so on, and also 2008, 9, 10, that recession is people applying for jobs and interviewing for jobs, competing with their own boss or boss's boss from a previous job, which is weird. It feels good in the sense that, wow, I'm competing against my boss's boss. Like these other organizations see me as somebody who could do this job potentially theoretically you know as well as my boss's boss but it's also kind of sad and weird in a way too and it also shows you the fakeness of the hierarchy there's a lot of randomness in it as you know but i'm going to keep reminding you anyway there's a lot of randomness in it don't get you know all wrapped up in the hierarchy this person is my social superior because they're my boss not true speaking of which digression momentary digression you guys I put out on Twitter this morning for fun, hey, contest, uh, what's the worst possible subject line for an email message? The response with the most likes at midnight tonight gets a free Human Workplace virtual course. One of our virtual courses, your choice. Any virtual course on our site, launch your consulting business, get the job you deserve, get ahead at work, you know, grow your thought leadership flame, all of the stuff, Uh, interviewing, leadership, blah, 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 HR with a human voice and so on. And some funny, some funny entries, but a lot of people saying we need to talk, join me in my office. Let's talk today from the boss. And it's, so here is like, I love, you know, having fun on Twitter and social media and, and having fun in general and, you know, joking around and everything. But when we are seriously afraid of one other person, one other insignificant person in the universe we are all part of the stars and holy and sacred all like that yes of course but your boss is one person out of seven nearly eight billion and they shouldn't be that significant that they can freak you out cause your heart to pound cause you stress and anxiety because you get an email let's talk we need to talk that's creepy it's not appropriate i didn't realize when i became an hr person initially in 1984 or uh, that this had been controversial before when the sort of the US was becoming the first industrial superpower there were pundits there were there were thinkers writing it's not appropriate for one person to be the boss of another one and control their entire income that's not a good setup but now we just take it completely for granted i have a boss i have to please the boss i don't want the boss to be angry and then what it does is it infantilizes us and it's happened to me, and I remember how my brain changed when there was one person in charge of my whole income. Just meditate on that. One person. They could be a great person, but they still go into fear. We all do. They still become less than rational at times. They still have that overactive limbic nerve, fight or flight. Uh, they, they still do all the stuff. And under stress, we all get worse and, and less of sound judgment right and less compassionate and less giving and that's that's something to really 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 just think about the, the cure the remedy of course short of going out and working for yourself which is a solution many people find but has its definite obstacles and 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 impracticalities let me be quick to say but you know short of that is being nimble being ready being awake having the resume ready having recruiters in your back pocket knowing what your skills are worth, knowing other employers you could go to. That empowers you to speak your truth at work, to, to, to bring more of yourself to work, actually to make a greater contribution at work. Everything we want in terms of getting stronger and being more marketable and more confident and more willing to, to slam doors. And all of that comes from growing internally in ourselves. That's our, that's our message. That's the human workplace thing. We're not waiting for corporations to magically change and be different. We're, we're working on them the same way I'm working on you. <laughs> Just trying to get the word out and talk about healthier HR and leadership practices and all that kind of stuff. And, right, and at the same time, we individually are getting stronger. That is a, you know, inextricable part of this whole thing. We have to get stronger. We have to get stronger in ourselves, right? Yeah, so that's what we're doing. So, setting boundaries, yeah, is, um, is the new life skill to cultivate. That and, of course, job hunting while you're working. Huge. Got to do it. Dear Liz, here's a new question. Okay. Dear Liz, my boss made a weird comment to me the other day on a Zoom call with our whole department. She said, well, as the advocate for the team, Sarah, what's your opinion on this? Should I ask her what she meant? It sounded a little passive-aggressive. Thanks, Sarah. You can picture that pretty easily, can't you, on a Zoom call? Well, as Sarah, as advocate for the team, I don't know. I mean, you were there, Sarah. I don't know if that's hostile. That could be warm. That could be appreciative. I wasn't there. It's an energetic read. I would I, I would talk to your boss, but I wouldn't talk to your boss in terms of like, what did you mean by that? I would say, so, so boss, so call your boss, you know, whatever, Lorenzo. Uh, yeah, so Lorenzo, you said something so interesting on our call. You said, Sarah, as the employee advocate, I I was kind of flattered. I wasn't sure exactly what you meant. Like, I am at your service and the team's service to do whatever we need to do to, you know, thrive, obviously. Tell me about that employee advocate, what you see, what what, you know, you hope for in terms of that. If I'm a good conduit from information from the team, I'm happy to do that, but I also want to, you know... Just to understand your worldview. In other words, you're not saying, How dare you? or Why did you make that snippy comment? You just don't know where she was coming from or he. I don't know if you mentioned the gender of your boss. But yeah, I w- always an open, appreciative, warm, open is the big word, open conversation. So what? Because the easiest thing in the world, right, is to misinterpret one another at work. Oh, it's the easiest thing in the world. It's happened to me so many times, it's happened to everybody. Okay. Hi, Liz. I'm an HR manager looking to redo our annual employee performance review form and looking for your input on the best evaluation criteria. Oh, thank you. Thank you for asking. We have to go up a little bit with this one. We have to go up to a higher level of altitude and look down at this thing, this annual performance review of an employee, and really ask. Go back to, go back to initial conditions and ask, what is the purpose of it? What is the purpose of the annual performance review? And many people would say, oh, Liz, please, it has so many, it has so many uh, purposes. It helps us decide how much to pay people. It keeps us out of court if we subsequently terminate somebody. It tells employees valuable feedback they need to get better at their jobs. It, um, it lets us put in writing how somebody did over the course of a year. It's, it's critical, it's great communication between the employee and their boss, and it's an essential part. No, I disagree with every single piece of that. My background is HR and leadership, 400,000 years. It doesn't accomplish any of those things. Really works against what we want, which is cohesion, trust. Sitting down with a grown-up person that pays taxes, and, and, and lives their life as a, as a responsible adult outside of work and say, looking back over the past year, here's what you did well, and here's where you could... know. you should have had those conversations at the time. You would not do that if you hired you know, a skilled consultant. You wouldn't say, let's go back and review your first year because it, again, infantilizes grown-up people. You talk about things as they occur, and at the end of the year, you say, let's talk about next year. Let's talk about what you need from me. Grades, the A, the B, the needs improvement. I've never found t- the typical situation is the manager walks into my office. I have to do something about Polly. I want to get rid of Polly or at least write her up, put her on probation. I pull out Polly's last evaluation, performance review, and it's fine. It's better than average. Well, says the manager. I was trying to buck her up. I was trying to motivate her. Of course. That's always, and that's appropriate, by the way. It's a stupid thing. We don't need it. Talk, plan. Talk about how each of you could communicate better. Talk about what you've learned. Talk, but it is not evaluative. We have to stop and think about how does that help the business? And especially the ranking aspect. Somebody needs an A, somebody needs a B. You see the falsity. You see the toxicity of performance review systems when you realize many organizations that still do performance reviews, and of course a lot of them have thrown them out last 10 years, praise, but, but many of the organizations that still do them, they actually say you can only have 20% of people who are excellent, 20% who are above, that's idiotic. Then you're saying, so that's how you think we hire and keep people here? That are not doing the job yeah they need a convenient 20 percent to be on the bubble and get no performance it's it's absolutely the crux of fear bay it's the cauldron of fear-based management the fear 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 you might not be good enough then get rid of me don't don't waste my time it's fear we have to get fear out of management has nothing to do with having a healthy organization so long-winded answer to your very succinct question is i don't believe in individual performance reviews although i believe in planning And, and touching base and talking about the future and talking about what we want to learn in the coming year or quarter or whatever, and what we each need from one another and all that. But, but the humbling part, here's what you messed up. Remember last February? What? What? That's idiotic. It makes no sense. All right. All right. Comment, comment, not a question. Um, I, um, posted something on Twitter the other day or LinkedIn anyway. It was about burning a bridge. Uh, The conventional wisdom, of course, says don't burn bridges, but you can't really live your empowered life very easily avoiding burning all bridges. Burning a bridge just means you can't go back to somebody. They could come to you theoretically, but you can't go back. And the problem with that is you don't control that person. There are people that if you slight them in their view, even in the teensiest little way, in any respect, you can't go back. They're so easily offended. And this could be an ex-boss or a CEO. It came about because someone wrote to me. And I answered their question, or I responded to their their message. And they said, uh, yeah, I've worked three and a half years for a digital marketing agency. I've learned the ropes. I'm proficient, more than proficient now. And they gave me what they considered a difficult client, a difficult customer one year ago. And what I learned working with this customer who turned out to be a really nice man, what I learned is that they had jacked him around and had him with various consultants and they really weren't doing anything. I'm shocked he stayed with the agency long enough to get to me, but he did. And we straightened everything out and doubled his business with our company. And his business doubled likewise and everybody's happy about it. But I'm not getting paid enough. I've been telling my boss for a while And I finally said, you know, I doubled the business with this customer. I have a huge workload. You know I know what I'm doing. I got to get a raise. They've been hiring a lot of brand newbies with no experience, and they get paid $6,000 less than me a year, which is not enough for the difference in what we contribute. That's just how I feel. So I talked to my boss pointedly about this, and my boss talked to the CEO of the agency, who said, you're you know, you're not giving this employee a raise because of COVID. And so this was the final straw. COVID? Our business is growing, it's virtual. What? So I was talking to my customer, the one that had been tagged as a difficult customer, but he and I had a great relationship. And he said, you know, I'm glad I got to you because I worked with some pretty useless consultants before you, and I was about to leave. And even now, you do an amazing job, but I'm not sure about this agency. And I just blurted out, same here. I've been trying to get a raise, and it's impossible, and I'm, I make a huge contribution. At which point, the client said, well, here's what I pay your agency every month. And I just about keeled over, because it's so much more than I get paid. And this is only one of my clients. In other words, he gets a fraction of my time and pays several times over to the agency what I get paid. So something is you know, off by a factor of whatever. And I said, wow, you could pay less and have all of my time. I, mean, I don't know who spoke first. I think the customer spoke first and said, maybe I should hire you directly. But anyway, that's what happened. That's what ensued. This person uh, did not have a non-compete agreement and they accepted the offer and they went over to their former client who then, of course, left the agency and didn't work with them anymore because they had their own full-time digital marketing person. Well, the boss heard about this at 4 p.m. on the employee's last day. Everything had been cordial up until then, but the boss, the CEO, called the employee into his office and said, I can't believe you're leaving. In great, you know, the typical speech we could all write. I taught you everything you know. And the employee said, you know what, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry, you underpaid me and overcharged the client. Business works that way. You always tell us, I'm going, to, I'm going to work directly for the client. So a lot of people you know, commented, this is an ideal story, but really it's a timely story. We are all that consultant. We are all that person looking at the larger picture beyond our own organization's walls. Sometimes we think it's disloyal to look around and have a network, and talk to people, and think about possibilities. It's not disloyal. It's appropriate. We are all, each one of us, in our little boat going down the river, you know, alone in the sense we have one another, but alone in the sense we're each an economic unit. It's not up to your employer, ultimately, how much you get paid. It's up to them how much you get paid by them. But there are other companies. There are other options. This is always something to keep in mind and be keenly aware of, because the need for us to grow these entrepreneurial muscles is only getting greater over time. We cannot hide our heads in the sand and say, maybe I'll keep this job until retirement. It's highly, highly, highly unlikely. All right, you guys, finish with one more question. Dear Liz, had a really good phone interview and then was scheduled for a Zoom interview with the hiring manager. It was canceled with no explanation. They said they would get back to me on a new date. I wrote a week later and two weeks later, silence. What should I do and why does this happen? All right, I'm gonna take your questions in reverse order. Why does it happen? Just general, come on, general corporate and institutional overwhelmedness, lack of organization, whatever. I'm not even gonna bash those people. Because they they have no resources. You know, in the olden days, resumes would fall behind the filing cabinet, in the space behind the filing cabinet and the wall. You could guarantee they would. They were stacks of paper, right? So that would happen. Or I would find a resume under the passenger seat of my car. That is administrative real life, just in the real world, right? And so we try as hard as we can to avoid that happening, but it's, you know not acceptable, it's not cool, it's not good, but there is no nefarious thing. It's not like they spotted something in your resume that they didn't like and they wouldn't tell you. It's none of that. When people say, I wonder what they didn't like about my resume, my answer is they just didn't see it. They didn't look at it. They're not analyzing for, you know, 45 minutes and sitting around talking about why you left that job in 2004. It's not that in-depth. Sad to say. So you know, in terms of the why, read nothing into it other than regular bureaucratic slip-ups and incompetence and whatever. And, and I'll put the incompetence, okay, at the highest level, at the highest level. Like, the, the leadership of the company does not care enough about talent is generally the bottom line on that. They just don't. Because I hear from HR people and recruiters constantly, too, about their lack of resources and time. And the, and the energy around recruiting you guys, you know what it is. An ad is placed, or, you know, they screen, they, they grab resumes from their own database. They call it ATS, applicant tracking system, LinkedIn, whatever. Recruiters send resumes, whatever. And they focus on the people they think they want to hire. They're, they're on a, they're on a um, mission to make a job offer and have it accepted and have the person accept and start. So just energetically that's where all the energy is in the search it's not oh we have to get back to that candidate i'm not excusing it i'm saying let's just pull back and look at human nature and look at organizational priorities you get back from an interview and you put another iron in the fire another pain letter out the door you have a good interview you put an iron in the fire you have a bad interview you put another iron in the fire. In other words, no one's gonna slow you down and waiting around to hear from people is being slowed down. It's putting somebody else in a higher position than you in charge of how you get to proceed and how you get to feel about your job search. Don't do it. Let them be competing over you at the last minute. Carry on with your job search. Wait for no one, wait for no one. We don't have to analyze and I wonder why they did this and they did that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If they deserve you, they're going to step. It's a shift. It's a mental shift. Of course we cling. This seems really real because they interviewed me in March, even though I haven't heard from them since then. They seem to like me in March. Get get rid of it, put it out of your mind, put it out of your mind, put it out of your mind. Another iron in the fire. They might circle back. They might say, oh, we just found your resume behind the file cabinet. You are in charge as long as you are in charge. Make sense take control of your job search every day you wait for no one they don't deserve to slow you down on your path if you have a question for me to answer send the question to support at humanworkplace.com you've heard these questions they're not super long they're they're you know everybody could understand them they're not industry specific and whatnot but I I, I answer questions. A few times a week and of course here on the truth about work podcast you're awesome keep growing your flame thank you for following human workplace visit us anytime at humanworkplace.com because we have free downloads there for job seekers for career changers for consultants for people that want to become a thought leader uh, HR folks all that free downloads on the website and you can follow us on Twitter uh, and Facebook at human workplace you know so have a great great great, great day.